1997 that we had where Anton LaVey's daughter came seeking help, hid it from us that she was Anton LaVey's daughter at first, but eventually we found out when he astral projected into his daughter and Dave tried to rebuke a demon, he said, F you, F Christ, F God, I'm not a demon and you can't make me do anything. And uh, Dave said, okay, Anton, I'll just preach you a good sermon. <laughs> he cracked open the Bible as Anton started screaming and shrieking and, and cursing, and he left. And so that's the way we get rid of him when he started astral projecting into his church, into his daughter. But when this incident happened, you know, we didn't know our head from a hole in the ground. And uh, here, all of a sudden, we're up against the most powerful warlock in America. He... He starred in the very first demonic movie in 1967 called Rosemary Baby. He wrote the Satanist Bible, and he started the first Church of Satan in San Francisco. I was 67, 68, and 69. And here, God pits us against this man, and we don't know anything that's going on. Hello, and welcome back to Waking Up With Mel. This is episode 47, and today we are going to do a part two of waking up to the unknown family of Anton LaVey. So in episode 38 and 39, I talked about waking up to the Satanist agenda. We talked about a lot about Anton LaVey, how his you know, ancestral family led to who I think is now in 2023 performing satanic rituals on stage for everybody to see who is Taylor Swift. And if you're like, what is she talking about? You're going to have to go back. But basically, Anton LaVey was married, had some kids. One of his kids was named Zena. Zena, who I think goes by the last name Shrek now, um, but Zena LaVey was put into a satanic ritual. She looks exactly like Taylor Swift. And I believe Anton LaVey impregnated Xena because he did, and it's publicized, and I talked about that in my first podcast, but I think he did it more than once. And I think Taylor Swift was one of those children, and I think that she is carrying on in her daddy's wishes, satanic rituals on stage. Yeah, and it's getting even bigger and better. It's it's crazy. But when I heard this story about this untold daughter named Ray Ray, I was like, man, how many kids are out there? And when I started to really research, it even led me to this one girl named Scarlett LeVay, who is a porn star, but I couldn't look much up on her because everything that comes up, I didn't want to see. So um, I he probably has more kids than we think. And we're going to get into this Ray Ray here in a second, but let's talk about what the public says about who his children are. And when I say public, I'm reading this off of the church of Satan.com. Okay. And as always, I'll put all the links to everything below, but this is just basically questions about Anton LaVey. The very last one. Did Anton LaVey have more than three children? No, he had two daughters, Carla M-A-R-I-T-Z-A LaVey and Zena LaVey. The one that I think is Taylor Swift's mom. So again, we know that according to Zena's own testimony from my last podcast, I shared the link to all that. She was pregnant as a teenager. All the kids said, Hey, she's pregnant. Ha ha ha. And she had a son and at a young age who everybody knows was her dad's except for the, you know, church of Satan doesn't want to admit that for some reason, I guess some things they are ashamed of. I don't know. And, um, anyways, I, I would, imagine that the Zena who was 
in the San Francisco um, University for her satanic baptism in 1960-whatever, um, probably had more kids with her dad, unfortunately. So, but according to this, he just had the two daughters and the one son named uh, Satan. <laughs> yeah. So at the very end, it says, you will find Christian evangelists online fraudulently claiming to be the sons or daughters of Anton LaVey. They had to add that in there. Okay. So now that we laid what they say is true, now let's hear this testimony. And again, I'm they deny this. The Church of Satan denies this. But I don't think this pastor would just make this up for no reason. So I'm going to let him lay out the groundwork about who this um, gal is. And hopefully he'll wake up a lot of um, awakening to you about the spiritual side of life. Because I think we should be living more on the spiritual side of life. And unfortunately, we live more on this physical plane. Uh, you know, we worry about the bills and the, the stresses and the things that take away from getting to know God. And it's pretty amazing to hear this testimony of this guy. This guy's name is Pastor Dave Bryan, B-R-Y-A-N. And his story is incredible. I relate to him in so many ways because he's from Idaho. His church went to Yuba and that was and that's in California, right next to Grass Valley, where my mom grew up, which happens to be the place that Anton LaVey relocated after he got too famous in the media. I don't think he meant to get that famous or get that that much publicity and a lot of people I think really caught on to it and he wanted to kind of stop the awakening of this Satanism that he was doing. So he went and hid out in Grass Valley, California, where um, this Ray Ray comes into the picture. And this story you're about to hear will blow your mind. And it will prove to you that there is, you guys, I was reading Genesis yesterday, the first book in Genesis. And it says darkness is hovering over the face of the deep. And the, the deep is the water, it says in the next verse. And then it says, God said there needs to be light let there be light and that was god's light separating his light from that darkness and if you look up the hebrew words of the light and the dark it's incredible and then he talks about the first day and night and he says that when there was light and darkness that was the first day and night but that doesn't mean the sun and the moon because that doesn't come until day four in the bible for three days there's day and night before the sun and the moon three days. He's separating his light from darkness. And what day means in the Hebrew is a new, a new time, a new era. So when God separated and created the earth and mankind and everything, it, before he did all that, he started a new era. And there's many eras along the Bible in a long time, right? There's revelation that we haven't experienced yet. There's the time after revelation that not many of us even know much about, but then there's the here and now, and we're supposed to be living in the power and all the, the authority of Jesus Christ that he gave us. And that's to raise the dead, to heal the sick. And, and we're not doing much of that casting out demons. We're not doing much of that. Um, and the fact the body of Christ, we're, we're holding on to demons. A lot of us are from the past, from hurts, from pains, from all these things. So the whole reason I want to do this podcast and steer away from smart cities this week, instead of talk about smart cities, like I said, I wanted to last week, I, I thought, you know what, this is more important. Spiritual stuff is more important than their plan because yes, they have a plan and they want to get it done in 2030 and they want to make us live in these little tiny smart cities where we're, it's not smart because we're controlled by some AI, but 
that's not the point. The point is, is we're here to be bigger and better than all of this crap. And yes, you should be awake to smart cities and all the things, but is it really worth a part two or should we talk about this? Because I almost like was like, how did I not know this until I'm 45 years old? How, (laughs) how in the world do I not know the power I have through Jesus Christ until I'm 45 years old? And the reason is, is because the church has kept us dumb and religious. And meanwhile, this some I don't know if he'll say this in this testimony or not, but because I've listened to hours of this guy at this point. But he tells the story about Ray Ray and when she's come into his house and how he doesn't really know who she is and all this stuff because she's going by a different name. And hopefully you'll, all this will come through on this testimony I'm about to play. And again, I haven't listen to this one, but it's my favorite one that I think will explain the most in the shortest amount of time. But I highly recommend if this is something that ignites your soul to go listen to more and more of his story because his stories are incredible. But this little gal, Anton LaVey's daughter, was so spiritually gifted in her witchcraft that she can unlock doors with her mind. And as he's like, please stop doing that, the preacher, please stop doing that. Uh, she'd be like, I don't want to become weak like you guys. Am I going to be weak like you guys? We have lived so weak as Christians and it's time we stop guys. And it starts with our words. It It starts with knowledge. I mean, truth will set us free. Knowledge is power. It's, it's incredible. And these witches and these witch warlocks and all these people, they have been doing this for so long under a veil hidden in darkness they're being exposed to our light. With that introduction, here's Pastor Dave telling us all about Anton LaVey's untold daughter, Ray Ray. Studied it very thoroughly. And uh, that's where this whole uh, teaching that I now do um, all over the world, really, but that's where it came from. And, and my understanding that the Western church had been badly misled and that's, because, that's why our churches are uh, filled with people who love Jesus and are saved, but they're, in some cases, almost completely dysfunctional. They have, uh, they have addictions, they have fears, all kinds of phobias, they have depression. Uh, and and it, so because we have not understood the process of sanctification, Deliverance slash inner healing is the process of sanctification. There's a good book, my friend, that I was given good books to, uh, Thrones of the Soul by Paul Keith Davis is a, a great book about that. But at, in any event, uh, so that's where we got started. Now, uh, I told you in this story that we were going home about 3 in the morning, and I was telling Cheryl, well, thank God, you know, I was feeling good about it. And uh, I said, we, uh, you know, we were face to face with the devil and God helped us. And uh, remember, I told you that my wife said, oh, that's not what Jack was talking about. Well, the next morning uh, I I was preaching uh, at the church. We have a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning service every weekend. So Saturday night, the thing happened with Kelly. Sunday morning, uh, I was preaching, uh, did a... um, invitation to salvation and uh, several people came forward amongst them was a a gal that was looking rough 
And we have a lot of rough people in the church because we reach out to homeless people and, you know, all kinds of people. But you, you could tell that uh, she, she had um, uh, had a, a very, very difficult life. And so I, I had compassion. I wanted to get to know her and see if we could help her. So uh, afterwards, we prayed to receive Christ. When I was praying for people, she, she didn't close her eyes. I could tell she was very fearful. She repeated after me, but she was just staring at me. And I thought, boy, this lady's been deeply traumatized. Anyway, we went into a little side room to give them some, um, some follow-up material. And uh, I told her, if you ever need help... Uh, let me know, and I, I gave her a card, and she was very skeptical. She said, well, you didn't give anybody else a card? And I said, well, I, I would have, but she said, yeah, but you didn't. You, they all walked out, and you handed me a card. Why? And I said, I, I'm sorry. If you don't want the card, just leave it here. Uh, she said, no, but, but you just singled me out, and I said, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. But anyway, I knew that she was just really cagey and and had been deeply traumatized, and I had compassion for her. And her face was uh, all broken up. She had a, a, a thing on her jaw, you know, these big um, deals where they screw into the bone, and there's a, a metal uh, thing holding their face in place. So um, I thought she'd probably just been in a bad accident, a uh, car wreck or something. So next morning, Monday's day off, and... Uh, I'm, I stopped by the church for a minute, and uh, the secretary's saying, you need to take this call. And so I did. Anyway, long and short of it, I'll try to be quick here, but uh, she said, can you come help me? I'm hiding in the bushes at the courthouse, and witches are trying to kill me. I said, who are you? She said, I'm, I'm the lady you gave the car to. You said if I needed help. I said, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, you're hiding in the bushes at the courthouse? She said, yeah, uh, out front and by the bus stop, I'm, but I'm in the bushes. And I said, well, why don't you just, the courthouse filled with policemen, why don't you just go in and report that people are trying to kill you? She said, it's way more complicated than that, but she's whispering all the time. And I said, excuse me, can you speak up? She said, no, I'm hiding in the bushes. And I, I said, well, just tell the police. She said, can we talk about this later? People are trying to kill me. So I said, okay, I'll be right there. So anyway, I drove over there, and, and we've dealt with, you know, thousands and thousands of homeless people, and the, the story they give you to get your attention and the truth of their lives are often radically different. So anyway, uh, I honestly never imagined for a minute that witches were trying to kill her or that she was even in the bushes. I figured she'd be sitting at the bus stop when I got there. She said, oh, they're gone now, but could you take me and give me some groceries or something like that, you know. Happens all the time. So... Uh, we went over there. Anyway, she was hiding in the bushes. She ran out and jumped in the car and got down in the back seat. And, uh, and so we took her to the church, and she was acting mystical. I said, how do you know they're witches? I, I know, I know. They're looking for me. Uh, and so um, Cheryl, God spoke to her and, and just said, this lady needs a homeless. Move her into her house. We have three little boys at the time, right? Our oldest was... Uh, maybe uh, 12 to 13 and, and then um, two years younger, two years younger. So uh, we took her home. That night at midnight, uh, all hell broke loose. And uh, there was just a blood-curdling scream. And then uh, she 
she came tumbling down the stairs. We lived in a big Victorian house, and she was in the, um, the upstairs, and bam, 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 rolled up against our bedroom door downstairs, and, and, and it, was, it was awful. And uh, it sounded like something between a horror movie and a slaughterhouse, you know, but it was, it was intense. So we got up, tried to get the lights on, and she was, she was writhing around. The cool part of this story is when, by the time I got my Levi's on, my youngest son, Joe, uh, who was probably uh, nine, uh, right around there, he might have been ten, but he's standing over her rebuking the devil. My youngest son says, like, whoa, way to go, Joe. But anyway, uh, so so uh, when Cheryl and I got the door open, she's batting at something that none of us can see and saying, get, get away from me, Nat. You, you, you don't have power over me anymore. Get away from me. You don't have, I'm going to be a Christian now. And, and it was something. She was scooting, scooting down the hall batting at this thing and saying, get away from me now. So we didn't know what to do. So uh, we just, you know, called on the name of Jesus, which is a really great thing to try when you don't know what to do, and started rebuking the devil. And, and suddenly she said, oh, he's gone. And I said, uh, can we talk about he? She said, what do you mean? I said, I mean, you could see that, couldn't you? She said, yeah, couldn't you? And we all said, no. She said, you couldn't see that? No. She said, oh my goodness, you're all blind, aren't you? We said, um, apparently so. But uh, the issue to me was not that you saw it. The is issue to me is you knew its name. She says, yeah. Do tell. How did you know its name? She said, well, it's a, I just... I just do. I said, no. Uh, how do you know the name of the spirit that attacked you and threw you down the stairs? And she said, well, it's a, I told you witches were after me. And I said, that, that doesn't tell me how you knew the name. She said, well, well, I used to do witchcraft. And I said, how used to? Like last week? She said, no, but I used to do witchcraft. And she said, trust me, I just... I, I know it, it's a witchcraft spirit, spirit. And I said, what kind? She said, it's a murder spirit. And I said, okay, so that tells me you weren't a dabbler. You conjured murder spirits to kill people. And she said, well, well yeah, but I don't anymore. And I said, well, that's good. Since you're living right across the hall from my three sons. But anyway, uh... You know, we, we hugged her and prayed for her, and, and everybody went back to bed. But I told Cheryl, I said, does that worry you at all, that she conjured murdered spirits, could see it, and knew its name? And my wife, you know, is the eternal optimist. She said, well, she said she used to do witchcraft. And I said, yeah, but she just got tossed headlong down our stairs by a murder spirit named Knack. That seems like a little different than trying a Ouija board out a couple of times, right? So anyway, that was the first uh, clue that we might be in, into something a little deeper than we thought. Well, uh, next night, midnight, it happened again. Uh, and next night, mid so I said, okay, what's with midnight? Why, why, why midnight? She said, 
well, duh, it's the witching hour. And I said, help me. I never did witchcraft. What do you mean the witching hour? She said, it's the witching hour. We, you don't know nothing about the witching hour? And I said, no, I'm not a witch. Uh, and she said, well, we do rituals and blood sacrifices. And at the, after we've done rituals and blood sacrifices, we conjure demons to go out and do the things that we just paid them to do with the blood sacrifice. I said, oh. She said, so that's why there's so much activity in the witching hour. And she said, they, they come after me right away, but usually that happens about 2 a.m. because the blood rituals and all the conjuring that starts at midnight and it goes to about 2. And probably people in this room have been awakened at uh, regularly at 2 in the morning. It happens all the time. You see it on horror movies at 2 o'clock and uh, then some poltergeist thing happens. But that's, that's because of that. It's, it's really, remember, same principles in both kingdoms. So... Uh, Good, you haven't started my 30 minutes yet. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, uh, I just looked up there and noticed the clock wasn't running. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so, I'll, But anyway, uh, just tell me when to sit down. I, but, so, um, so anyway, uh, every night, um, right around midnight, uh, we were doing these occult uh deliverance sessions and and they were pretty intense now thankfully god had prepared us with kelly who you know had a, a serpentine manifestation that was fairly bizarre I'd, I'd never seen anything like that and so um so now right away we're, we're launched into this thing with uh, uh a lady that uh, also has been in witchcraft but we don't know how deep well, it just kept going. And Kelly, you know, we we prayed. Three hours later, she's good to go. I mean, she, she has discipleship issues like everybody does, but she has never had to redo deliverance um, because we, we handled that thing, kicked those spirits out. They were generational curses. She, she didn't want them. She wasn't open to them. Uh, she was victimized by them, and she was good to go. With, with this lady who called herself Ramona Jarnigan, it was like no end to demons. And, and you know, Cheryl and I were talking like, I wonder how long this is going to go on. It, every night it's a new set of demons, you know, a new couple of demons. And So anyway, uh, we had, uh, we were right in the middle of this and I was scheduled to do a, a family camp for a group of three churches in Oregon. Well, you know, like, there's some things that are easy to pawn off on your neighbors and some things that aren't so easy to pawn off, right? So it's like, who in the world's going to stay here with Deborah Joy? Uh, well, she was going by Ramona Jarnigan. Sorry about that. She changed her name. But uh, it was Ramona at the time. I said, who's going to stay with Ramona? Uh, I got to leave and go to Oregon. And she said, well, I'm not staying here by myself. And I said, well, I'm just going to call and cancel. So I called this guy from Bible College. I said, hey, I need to cancel. He says, oh, no. He says, this is uh, the end of the week, and you're the keynote speaker. And we've advertised this, and there's hundreds of people coming. And, and I don't want to hear that. And I said, well, Tom, I got some extenuating circumstances. Man, he gave me a hard time. 
about my character, you know, the righteous swear to their own hurt and change not, and all those Bible verses like, eh, I said, oh, okay, listen, um, if I come, I want to bring my own worship leader. Why? Because I have a brother-in-law that is, you know, uh, huge. He's a big guy. And uh, in every way, every conceivable way, he's a big guy. And so uh, she was having such violent manifestations that we we had Dwayne and my wife's sister, Juanita, they had been coming over and helping us because the church wasn't really tuned to deliverance at the time. And, and so we just said, hey, sorry, you're related. you got to be here, you know. <laughs> and so... Uh, so they had been helping us, and so and he's one of our worship leaders. So I told this guy, if I come, I want to bring my own worship We don't need your worship leader. We already have worship leaders. I said, hey, Tom, we're negotiating here. Do you want me to come or not? If I come, I need to bring a worship leader. Of course, I couldn't tell him why, because it would have scared the bejeebers out of him. So he said, okay, bring your own worship leader. And uh, he said, anything else, kind of sarcastically, and I said, yes. I said, I want an extra cabin, and I want to be as far away from the rest of the camp as physically possible. He said, that's a weird request. I thought, you have no idea. But anyway, I, <laughs> I said, well, uh, that's what I need. I need uh, cabin, two cabins away from everybody else and bring my own worship leader. So we embarked on a road trip from California to eastern Oregon in a van with this lady that every every night and sometimes during the day would have significant demonic manifestations. Now, uh, just before we left, there there was another demonic manifestation, and and uh, this voice was speaking, and we could tell it was a native Indian dialect. Uh, you, you can tell that even if you can't hear what they're saying. And so anyway, in that situation, um, we uh, she, she she came out of that um, demonic control, and she said, "It's the piazza bird, isn't it?" Well, I'd never heard the piazza bird, and I said. I don't know, you were speaking some Indian language. She said, yeah, it's Illini. I'd never even heard of the Illini Indian, but Illinois is named after him, but I'd never heard of him. And I said, Illini? She said, yeah, it's a long story. My mother was an Illini Indian witch. And I said, do you have any other hidden secrets that we need to talk about? And she said, well, I just didn't think of telling you, but it's the Piazza bird. I, I, I knew because I was able to see what was going on. Because sometimes she would astral project, just pop out of her body and could actually watch what was going on as a demon controlling her body was resisting us as we were, were rebuking it, casting it out. So anyway, she said, I saw what was happening. It was, it was the spirit of the Piazza bird. So anyway, uh, during this time, constantly, we... I would just like, you know, I used to, uh, I told Cheryl if I ever wrote a book, it would be called The Confessions of a Recovering Skeptic. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to write that book because.
because I've changed a lot in the last 25 years. But at the time, I just thought almost everything that happened, I, I just thought, like, I doubt it. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. So anyway, I went in, and I, I just typed in Piazza Bird, this thing. Uh, popped up, and it's, this is the power spirit of the Alini uh, Indian nation and the top of the totem pole for all of North America Indian uh, rituals. You know, the, the, it's the Piazza bird, the firebird, or the thunderbird. And it's like, oh, wow, well, okay then. So we, we went back, and, and uh, we, we, that, we were in the middle of that, and we headed out on this road trip. So we're driving along, and uh, now it's a van full of uh, our family with with Deborah Joy and uh, my brother-in-law we call Big Dog. Big Dog and Juanita uh, are behind us in their car and we're caravanning along and ever so many miles the, it all hits the fan and I pull over and we're trying to do deliverance in our van. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, the... The, the time for the conference to start in Oregon is getting closer and closer, and, and we're this taking a lot longer than I thought to get there. So, so I just said, Jesus, uh, give me a little grace here, and I just nailed that uh, accelerator because we had just gone into uh, Nevada. And um, I was going as fast as that van could drive, which was over 100 miles an hour, because I had to redeem the time for the days were evil, right? You know that verse. So anyway, I was redeeming the time, and I was screaming down the freeway, and I saw a sign that said, uh, Welcome to the Winnemucca Indian Nation. And when I saw the sign... I just thought this thought, remember how spirits speak? Holy Spirit, it puts thoughts into your mind. We have access to the mind of Christ. And it was just be careful when you enter the Indian nation. And I looked over at her. She, she looked like she was almost unconscious. She was exhausted, tired, you know. And so I thought, oh, we're okay. So, uh, you know, we entered the Indian, Winnemucca Indian nation doing 100 miles an hour in that van and when we crossed the border all the doors in the van including the sliding door they all came open simultaneously uh ramona's buckle was unbuckled she was sound asleep but her buckle was unbuckled simultaneously and something tried to toss her out on the highway so now she's a little gal and on the way out the, the door, I grabbed her hand, and so I'm, I'm trying to keep her from being killed and trying to, you know, uh, stop the van. And anyway, uh, I just got the van stopped and pulled her in, and uh, I, I told you I like guns, but anyway, I, I, I had one under the seat. And like that, man, she grabbed that gun out of there. Nobody but me and those demons knew it was there. But anyway, she grabbed that gun out of there and tried to shoot me in the head. So now I'm, I'm trying to keep her from shooting me. And it, it was a regular circus, right? So I, I got the gun out of her hand and, and was rebuking the devil. And Big Dog had pulled up. And now he's coming in and he's trying to, you know, to he was my mugger. If, if, you know what a mugger is in a 
wild cow contest. But anyway, uh, so he, he grabs her and he's trying to hold her. And, um, and I said to this spirit, I said, who are you? And this spirit uh, said out of her, I'm the, the power spirit for the Winnemucca Indian Nation. And I said, and why did you try to kill Ramona? And the spirit said, because she's defiled with the blood of a virgin sacrifice and I have the right to kill her. And I said, how do you know that? And it just laughed. It says, oh, you mortals are so stupid. He said, I've been watching you come in this direction for hours. And I said, oh, okay, well, whatever. So you can see something on her. He said, yeah, she's defiled by innocent blood. And that gives me a right to kill her. And I'm going to. And uh, so... um, what what I I was tired and late, right? And uh, so I said, "Well, here's the deal. I'm in a really big hurry, and we've been doing this for a while every day. And I don't. You can't kill her. You just tried to. You tried to toss her out. That didn't work. You tried to shoot me in the head. That didn't work. And any other plans that you're trying are not going to work. So the only issue is: Are we going to do this the easy way or the hard way? But at the end of the day, you're going to lose because whatever you think about her, I'm a Christian, and I'm with her. And so, and he said, well, I think I, I can kill her, and I don't think you can cast me out. And I said, well, uh, so we can try that, in which case uh, we're both going to really fight. And, and uh, I said, I got a better alternative. And the Spirit says, What? I said, how about you just back off and I'll just drive off your reservation and never come back with her. Moment of silence. He said, you promise? I said, I'm promising that I won't bring her back. I might come back, but I won't bring her back. If you do, I'll kill her. I said, whatever, you already tried that, but that's the deal. I won't bring her back if you will leave. And just like that, the spirit says, okay, and suddenly it's gone. And Ramona said, what was that all about? And I said, we're going to talk about that right after we get off this reservation. So I did 100 miles an hour to the other border of the reservation, pulled off the highway, and I said, get out of the van. We're going to have a heart-to-heart. She got out of the van. She was a little nervous, which I didn't have my happy face on. And... Uh, I, I said, okay, uh, we're going to shuck it down to the cob right here. Every day I find out something else you have lied about. And she's crying. And I, I, I said, listen, we love you. But if, if we're going to have success at getting you free, you have got to quit lying to us. And she said, what did I lie about? I said, oh, let's see. So far, everything. However... Uh, you never told us about the blood of a virgin sacrifice, and it almost cost you and I both our lives just a minute ago. So let's talk about that. She's crying. She said it was my my little daughter, I mean my, my little sister. I didn't mean to do it. He made me do it. And I said, okay, so all this stuff that you're unpacking right now, I want you to be honest with me about, or I'm going to leave you 
standing here by the highway, okay? I said, I love you, and I'm trying to help you, but you're the one that is messing this whole thing up. You have got to be honest about things because the truth sets us free. So anyway, she she's crying, and uh, I'm a compassionate guy, but I'd almost got my brains blown out a minute ago, right? And, and uh, so I said, uh, Ramona, or whoever you are, who is the he? And he made me do it. And she said, if, I, if I'm honest with you, do you promise you won't kick me out of your family? And she's crying. And I said, I absolutely promise, honey. We'll go to hell and back to help you if you're honest. But if you lie and connive and, and get uh, uh, yourself or one of our family killed, that, that's not okay. You, you got to cooperate with this process. So as, as best you can, would you please tell me who you are and, and what you've come out of? And so now she's crying. She said, you ever heard of Anton LaVey? I said, yeah, that's my father. I said, what? She said, my name's Ray Ray LaVey. I said, well, why didn't you say that? She said, would you have let me into your house if you knew I were Ray Ray LaVey? And I said, that's a very good question. I hope I would have, but I don't know. Now I'd already promised if she'd be honest, we'd, we'd keep her. And um, so she's crying. She said, I'm Ray Ray LeVay. I was conceived in a satanic ritual between the Church of Satan, a power convergence between the Church of Satan and the Alenian Nation. And Donald LeVay was looking for the, the strongest black magic on the North American continent, and he decided that was the Illinian nation. And so he had a sex ritual with my my mother, who was the the most powerful Illinian witch, and I was conceived and dedicated in that ritual to Lucifer. And I'm just like, now, uh, remember I had asked Jack Sisler, why would God want me to read a book like that? That is bizarre. And then she said, I'm sure you've never heard of the rituals of defilement. And I said, oh, yeah, I know about those. She said, what? You didn't even know about the witching hour. And I said, yeah, but I read a book about the rituals of defilement. And uh, she said, well, I've been through the first six. And this Halloween, I'm scheduled for the Bride of Satan ceremony. And I don't want to be the bride of Satan. And, you know, our hearts just melted for this poor little broken lady that's crying. And she said, and by the way, I lied to you also about getting in an automobile accident. And I said, so what really happened to you? She said, well, I was in Anton's coven. And the big event was the, the bride of Satan ceremony that I was supposed to be the bride of Satan. And she said, you know, witches and warlocks read thoughts. You know that, right? And I said, no, I, I didn't know that. And she said, yeah. And so they knew that I was um, having second thoughts about being the bride of Satan. And my daughter, who is the youngest member of the coven, she conspired with Anton LaVey's nephew, Randy, who was also in the coven. Uh, to uh, do a, a Judas betrayal ritual 
And they put a lot of stock in betrayal because of Judas betraying Christ. And so uh, they planned to betray me and to, uh, to murder me to get my power and to boost their level in the coven. And I'm just like, you know, here's this cowboy from Idaho. And I said, wow, that is, that's bizarre. She said, yeah. So they, they beat me. They thought they beat me to death with a metal baseball bat. And they threw me in the river. And an angel of God rescued me. And I said, really? And I said, you, and you saw it? She said, yeah, I see everything like that. The, the good spirits, the bad spirits, my, I have a complete vision in the spirit realm. And said, so you're floating down the river, and an angel scooped you up and set you on the edge. She said, yep. And I was sitting, leaning up against a tree on the edge of the road, and some people found me, took me to the hospital. I lied to them, said I got in a bad car accident. Then, uh, of course, now they, they're trying to put her face back together and everything, and she's, she's getting better. But the sheriff ran a news article asking if anyone had any information about a, uh, a traffic accident up along the Feather River on a certain date because they had a survivor, but they'd never found a car. Well, the Satanists, the coven, read about that. And they had a coven meeting and said, she's not dead. You, were, you said you killed her. She's not dead. She's in the hospital. So that's why she got out of the hospital. She came to church. The next day, she says, witches are trying to kill me. Uh, I can't explain that to you. It's very complicated, but please come save me. So, uh, so anyway, if you don't... If it's not already an amazing story, um, I said, your own daughter beat you to death with a baseball bat. And she said, yeah, I love her, but she's got some real problems. And uh, she said, uh, she's, she's in custody for attempted murder. And she said, she's, she's a vampire. I said, really? What's her name? She said, Bernice. I said, oh, yeah, I met her. She said, what? I said, yeah, I met her. She was in a plexiglass cage uh, and wanted my blood. She, <laughs> she said, yeah, that'd probably be Bernice. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what an amazing story, right? I'd already met the girl. And so now the mom's living in our home. And um, now we knew who she was. And uh, we, we just, we made a covenant with her. We will go, go to hell and back with you. We will hang with you through anything, but please do not lie to us. Lying uh, empowers the realm of darkness. Uh, Anton LaVey was an inveterate liar. In his book, The Satanic Witch, he says, I lie every time I speak. And um, so anyway, I said, please do not lie to us. However... You know, however painful it is, just be honest. We will love you. We will help you. So uh, we did that, and and now the the cat was out of the bag, so to speak. And the Church of Satan knew that we knew who she was, and th that began our um, tumultuous relationship with Anton Lavey, the Black Pope. And he would um, uh, he would contact us or leave us messages. He usually left me phone messages. 
and uh, late at night around the witching hour. But uh, anyway, uh, it was wild. So she came into our house in, in May, uh, and she was scheduled to be the bride of Satan uh, on uh, Halloween night, which is when they do all their rituals uh, in October, end of October. So I wrote a little book called The Serpent and the Savior. It tells about some. It's just a sampling of of what we went through, what we learned. One of the things I learned is I learned to respect that little lady. Uh, she is brave at levels that most of us will never get anywhere near. And she went through intense deliverance that turned that little girl inside out. But she wanted to be done with the devil. She did not want to be a part of that. And so it was during that process she uh, she said, would you, uh, you let me into your family, would you give me your name? And so we got her name legally changed to Deborah Joy Bryan. She wanted Deborah because Deborah was the warrior queen of the Old Testament. And she wanted Joy because uh, she said, Jesus turned all my sorrows into joy. And Brian uh, means overcomer, but uh, she she got married since then. But she told Billy, she said, "I love you, Billy, but I'll always be a Brian." Are you okay with that? So anyway, uh, that's the story, Deborah Joy. But uh, we, I could tell you stories for weeks, actually, uh, of everything that happened during that time. But I want to tell you the coolest stories. We end uh, all that time. Anton Levey mocked Jesus Christ. He would never say his name. He would always call him the pathetic weakling. And I'd say, who are you talking about, Anton? You know who I'm talking about, the pathetic weakling that my master killed on a cross. But he would never say his name because there's power in the name. So he, he always called him a pathetic weakling that, you know, for anybody who loves Jesus, it's just like it's so vile and mean-spirited. However, because of what was going on with Deborah Joy, I honestly can say that I, I, I felt the compassion of God for Anton LaVey, uh, and I, I prayed for him often and had all kinds of wild experiences, and he always called me preacher boy and uh, was very contemptuous and, and vile and proud, but he would say, I'm the black pope, I'm the most powerful sorcerer on earth, and you're nothing, preacher boy. You don't know anything about anything. And he says, come uh, Halloween, uh, Eve, you'll you'll find out uh, why I call your master a pathetic weakling, and why I serve the the true uh, the true Lord of the earth, which in uh, his mind was Lucifer. So anyway, by the way, all Satanists believe in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, they just don't believe in the resurrection. That's why Paul said, if if it weren't for the resurrection, our faith is in vain. The point wasn't that he died for us, uh, th th that's great, but the point was he died for us, handled the complete cost of redemption, and was resurrected on the third day. Can I hear a yay God on that? Right? So anyway, uh, so uh, th that, was, that led up to a showdown. Now, uh, when that time came, by that time, now I'm pastoring a church all this time, and 
And so my boys still call me uh, Senor Lopez. I don't know if you recognize that name from the movie um, Zorro, but he was Senior Lopez by day and Zorro by night, right? And they said, people have no idea what goes on over here at night, you know. During the day, you're a respectable pastor at night, you know. That's just the wildest stories ever of all kinds. But anyway, so they still call me Senior Lopez. But um, uh, so Anton had, had said that, uh, that the devil had given him a plan and that on Halloween night, that he would make a mockery of Christ. So, you can imagine when Halloween Eve came. Uh, we had been fasting and praying. Now there was a group of uh, 10 people that were really trusted pastors and leaders, and they had gotten in on uh, a lot of this because we had to trade off, you know, it was, uh, Jill had come spend a few days and. Duana Juanita would come spend a few days, and Alex, you know, we had, we needed help. It's, that's one, we were talking about um, the, uh, I came to set the captives free. And Rebecca Brown, one of the sad things about her story is she did not have help. We, uh, we Deliverance needs to be right in the middle of the family of God. That's that's what it, where it needs to be. So anyway, we had a lot of good help. We had a group of 10. We had all fasted for a week. We knew that the church of Satan, that they, they sacrificed llamas on our church property. They did all kinds of things. Um, yeah, it was, it was wild. But don't have time for all that. But when Halloween Eve came, we had fasted and prayed for a week. And we uh, were coming to our house. And uh, we were going to all show up at 9 p.m. We were going to pray for three hours. We already knew how the Church of Satan operates, and that's that during the witching hour, they, they would want to do the ritual. And Anton LaVey was operating out of what they called the Satanic Ranch, which is just up the hill from us in, in a place called Grass Valley. I don't know if you know where Grass Valley is, but right outside of Grass Valley, they had 80 acres of a wooded area where they did satanic rituals and human sacrifice and all kinds of stuff. They'd moved out of San Francisco because they made that a historic museum for the founding of the Church of Satan. And so anyway, uh, so... Uh, we, we were, as best we could, we were ready for it. Let me just say this during this whole time, as you might imagine, uh, we had zero confidence in us. Well, we knew that we didn't know anything, but we knew someone. And so, what I would always say when Anton would batten his gums together and trying to Im impress the whole world with how great he was, I would just say, Anton, how many times do we have to go over this? This is not about me versus you. This is about Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, the creator God, versus the fallen one. It's, it's a slam dunk, dude. And so and I, that was my confidence, right? I, I knew that I didn't know anything about uh, the, the, those people. Uh, honestly, most of them have impressive supernatural powers that they can do things, see things, you know, they, they have all kind of funky stuff going on. But, but my confidence, and yours needs to be in the same place, this conference is about spiritual authority. Uh, our confidence is in Jesus Christ. Uh, we will not win any spiritual battle by our own might and power. It's by His Spirit. 
And that's where our confidence was. So, so we were praying into it, and the time came. And I, I got to say, we we're a bit apprehensive, uh, you know, it's because uh, there had been a huge buildup to this. But we were going to pray from nine to midnight, and then see what happened. And we were trusting Jesus to show up in the showdown and kick the devil's butt, right? So, so I had everybody coming over at ten. Uh, Cheryl and I are at home uh, with Deborah Joy, and um, at about. At 8 o'clock, the, the team was come over at 9 o'clock. About 8 o'clock, Deborah Joy comes down from her bedroom. She's sweet as the day is long. She says, how are you doing, Daddy? I said, fine. She said, you okay for tonight? I said, yeah, we're, we're, Jesus is with us, you know. He is with us. We fear no evil. She said, okay. I was just checking on you. She said, I'm, I'm just going to go down the street and get a cup of coffee. And I said, what? She said, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I said, no, no, you are not going to go get a cup of coffee. I said, it's, it's Halloween. For months, Anton has been planning to somehow kidnap you tonight. She said, oh, well, the witching hour isn't for several hours. I said, Deborah Joy, are you okay? The, nothing about that made sense. She said, oh, Dad, you worry too much. I said, go to your room and pray. And she went back upstairs saying, oh, you, you shouldn't worry. You know, where's your confidence in God? She goes up the stairs. I told Cheryl, I said, something is up with Deborah Joy. She just tried to walk off the property. And, of course, her first question was, was she under the power of a demon? I said, it didn't look like it. I looked right into her eyes, and it, it didn't seem like it. She said, wow, that's weird. So I said, you guard the back door. I'm going to guard the front door. And so we, we, were, we were in our spots interceding when three police cars came screaming up lights and sirens and they pulled out uh they pulled right into our driveway we had a, a, a four car parking area in our driveway they pulled right in with sirens going and they all got out and and i stood up like hey guys what's up and when i did uh deborah joy ran out behind me across the grass saying to them help me help me help me he's kidnapped me and he's been uh, torturing me for a long time and it's just like what is going on here and so I ran after her in which case they all drew down on me <laughs> and they had me face down in the grass and uh, they they this is what had happened um, now this might uh, be a little weird to some of you, but just want you to know that um, human spirits uh, can can get out in the ethereal realm on what they call the astral plane. And by the way, it's in the Bible. Uh, it happened to Isaiah. It happened uh, apparently to the Apostle Paul. He went into the heavens and didn't take his body. So... Right? said, I was caught up into the heavens, and I don't think my body was there. When's the last time you ever went anywhere and, and thought maybe your body might not be there? Okay? So anyway, but s several, several cases like that in the Bible. Uh, e Elisha is a case like that. He told Gehazi, he said, don't you know that my spirit went with you? And I saw when the commander stepped out of the chariot, and I heard what you said. So anyway, uh, I don't have time to talk about all those instances, but it's just a, it's a spiritual phenomenon. It, it, it's only surprising to Americans. Everywhere else in the world, it's commonplace. But uh, zombieism, which was 
which was first really um, fashioned and honed in the island of Trinidad, uh, and that's based on the power of a warlock to to uh, leave his body on the astral plane and to uh, go into another human being, just like a, a demon goes into another human being, and take over control of that human being and do heinous acts and then leave and a person comes to their senses having axe murdered somebody or whatever it is and not remember anything about it. It happens all the time, okay? By the way, it happens in America all the time. That's why so many people on the, the witness stand say, I don't remember killing her or I don't remember doing that. It happens all the time. So anyway, what happened is Anton, who, by the way, had top uh, Department of Defense clearance with the U.S. military for his ability to astral project. Anton LaVey pioneered the remote viewing project for the Department of Defense, which is uh, it's astral spying. He would leave his body. You, uh, spirit travels at the speed of thought, can be anywhere on the planet, and it, as there is a specter, meaning no one could see them unless there was somebody that had spiritual sight and they would see them as a ghost, right? So uh, America has been doing that for many years, and and covered the Church of Satan and all its heinous acts in exchange for Anton uh, spying on world government. So, and right now, it's the same thing's happening with Anton's former uh, sergeant at arms, which is um, Michael Aquino. So, anyway, he was able to do that, uh, and so he had astral projected. He had gone into Deborah Joy. He had tried to walk out of the house. That didn't work. I told him go to your room, but it, 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 was, it was very clever. It, 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 there was no overt evil manifestation. He said, just, oh, come on, Dad, you're worried too much. Didn't work, so I went back up into the house, called 911, and said, I'm at Pastor Dave Bryan's house. He kidnapped me and has held me by force as a sex slave for 10 months. And so they came lights and sirens, right? And and so and then she ran back, ran past me. Now I'm down on the ground, with, and they they got their guns drawn. And it's I, I was just almost overwhelmed. I thought, Jesus, please don't let it in like this. Aunt Olive had been mocking Jesus for all those months and saying, when Halloween gets here, you'll see why I don't worship that pathetic weakling. Now. Uh, Deborah Joy, who loves me very much, and I love her, and she's standing there flipping me off, cursing Christ and laughing. And, and it's like, Jesus, do not let this end here. So they came over to arrest me. And um, they, well, well they, were do, they were huddled up trying to figure out what to do. And they, they told me I could sit down uh, on my front porch. And when I sat down there, uh, I, I was praying, as you might imagine, Jesus help. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit did. So the first thought I had is call Lou Benninger. He can help. Lou Benninger, as you know, uh, who was part of the pastoral team, he was the head of the trauma intervention program. And so he has a badge. He can go into any crime scene. He's welcomed by everybody. And most people don't even know that he's, he works for the church. He's just the trauma intervention guy. So 
I, I thought that. So I called Lou. I said, Lou, where are you at? He said, oh, about a block from your house. Why? I said, get over here right away. I'm being arrested for kidnapping Deborah Joy. He said, what? I said, talk to you later. You need to get over here right away. They're just, they're just uh, preparing to arrest me. So he comes up. He's got his uniform, uh, his badge, and, and he says, hey, uh, got some trauma going on here? They said, yeah, the pastor's been, you know, holding this woman as a sex slave. And he says, really? They said, yeah, we got a 911 call. And, and Lou, Lou's smart as a whip, you know, and God was helping him. And he said, he said, you know, this guy is really well respected in the area for helping broken people, right? Well, yeah, but you can't, you can't hold somebody against their will and use them as a sex slave. And, and Lou says, so you, you know that lady has a frequent flyer card for mental health? She's been in mental health hundreds of times. And you're going to take the testimony of a mental health frequent flyer over this guy? And they said, well, yeah. And he said, hope that works out for you. But you're going to find out that she's lying, and they're going to sue your butts off for, for doing this. And that was just the wisdom of God. And the, the uh, police said, uh, well, I, we hadn't thought of that. He said, yeah, well, you better think of it. He said, you, you shouldn't arrest this guy. He's not going to go anywhere. He's got the largest church in town. Everybody knows him. He's got a great reputation. He, he's not a flight risk. Just if I were you, I'd leave him be. Now, they had no idea that Lou was one of the pastoral team of our church, right? They're just like, oh, wow, thank, glad this uh, trauma intervention guy showed up. He's really sharp. So... They, they came over and they said, hey, you know, we were just talking to the guy who runs trauma intervention. Oh, really? <laughs> and they said, uh, we're, we're just going to release you uh, to your own recognizance. But if you, if you um, leave the area or if you try to contact this woman again, we'll arrest you for felony kidnapping and all the other charges she's accused you of. And then he said, he said, listen, uh, we're not... I'm going to cuff you tonight, but, but right now you are in big trouble. I said, okay, I got that. So um, Lou came over, and I said, oh, thank you, Louie, that worked. And I, I said, um, I want you to try to get in the back of the squad car. Remember, it's Anton LaVey. He'll probably try to kill you, but he's in a little body, and you just need to go in there. And I said, take Cheryl's cell phone and drop it in the pocket of her jacket. And so he walked over, and he said, hey, officer, this, uh, this lady's got a lot of trauma in her life. You mind if I talk to him? Oh, no, get, go ahead. You know, he's the head of trauma intervention. So he, he got in there, and, man, it was like uh, she was clawing and... Uh, kicking at him, but he just leaned in and dropped that cell phone in her jacket. So she went uh, away, you know, flipping him off through the back window, and and uh, Anton went away thinking he had won, which is exactly what happened the night of the crucifixion. The devil thought he had won. But anyway, um, so it was uh, Cheryl and I and Lou were there, and we said, listen, um, they're 
astral projection, probably Anton's body is a, a place that was probably um, two miles from our place that we nicknamed Hell Motel because a lot of druids and warlocks lived there. And so I said they're probably at Hell Motel for, you know, the, the spiritual support, uh, probably the coven's there, and they'll, they'll probably take Deborah Joy there and drop her off and then transport her, and they had a black limousine that you couldn't see through the window, probably transport her up to the ranch in the black limousine. If we don't rescue her, they will sacrifice her tonight. And that is not God's will for Deborah Joy. So we got to rescue her. So Lou says, well, how, how do you want to do this? And I said, well, uh, you and Cheryl go to Hell Motel and watch the front door and the back door. And I'm going to strap up. And I'm going up to the ranch, and and I, either I, I don't know what's going to happen up there, but uh, I'm going to rescue Deborah Joy, no matter what. So you, you, you pray for me. So I strapped up with my Kimber 45s, and I was going up the highway, and uh, and praying, Jesus help, we need your help. So my theory is. Do the best you can while you're praying, and God will intervene at significant points as needed. <laughs> so I'm I'm going up there uh, to just you know do a John Wayne, just kick in the door and come in with my guns up. But uh, but I got a call from Lou, and he said, "You're right. There, uh, the squad cars unloading her at Hell Motel, and." Uh, they could tell, you can tell by the way somebody walked, they're not as smooth. That's why the whole zombie thing is sort of like this, right? Because they're, uh, that's what they look like a lot of times under that kind of power. So, um, Lou said, uh, they're unloading her, but she's still zombied out. I said, okay, well, I'll be right over there. So I whipped the UE, I came back there. And I had Lou and Cheryl at the back door, and I was at the front door, and I called our intercessors, because now it's 9 o'clock, and they're starting to get there. And remember, we slipped a phone in her pocket, right? So just as I was headed there, uh, Anton discovered it. And he, uh, I had called the phone, and, and he picks it up, and he says, oh, very clever, preacher boy. And he said, I told you that you were stupid, your God is pathetic, and I told you this was happening, but, but you were so arrogant, you were so smug, you thought you'd kidnap my daughter and get away with it. And he started just saying terrible things about Christ, just the worst kind of vile blasphemy. And something just went off inside of me. And he hung up the phone, and I called, uh, never done this before or since, and probably will never do it again, but I called the intercessors. And I said, I want everybody to pray in one accord one thing, that God will sever Anton LaVey's silver cord and set Deborah free. Now, if you don't know anything about that, I don't have time to talk about it, but a, a human spirit is attached to a physical body through a silver cord. If that is cut, you are dead. The occult world calls it bouncing. That's you leave your body, you try to come back in, but the silver cord is damaged and you are dead, right? And that's what Solomon meant. Solomon is, is the uh, most accomplished uh, occult adept of human history. I don't know if you knew that or not.
but all of the grimoires of witchcraft are based on Solomonic wisdom. They're the keys, the greater keys of Solomon, the lesser keys of Solomon. All rituals are based on those because Solomon dabbled in the occult during his backslidden years and he had more wisdom than any man. So anyway, uh, but he says in Ecclesiastes, he says uh, when he comes back to God, he says now hear the sum of the whole matter of human life. Serve God and keep his commandments before your silver cord is cut. Right? He knew about all that stuff. And in the West, we just read past that like silver, silver smelter. We don't know what that means. But anyway, so I called him. I said, everybody pray that God will cut Anton's silver cord. He's still out of his body. But we, it has to happen immediately. Uh, and uh, so we prayed that. I'm, now I'm in front of Hell Motel standing in the road. And I am decreeing in Jesus' name that Anton's silver cord be cut by the angels of God. And suddenly, Deborah Joy busts through the door. And she comes running out, crying, saying, Daddy, help me. We put her in the car. We went tearing home. The intercessors are there. And we, we just burst in together. On the way home, I said, what happened up there? And she said, well, Anton bounced. That, that means he's, his silver cord got cut. And I said, so he, as soon as he left her body, she came too, right? That's how that works. So he, he leaves, she comes to, but he can't get back into his body. The whole coven is there, and they know that he's bouncing, right? So they began to do rituals and, you know, uh, make promises to the devil. They'll do anything if, if they'll, they, he'll just tell. And by the way, the devil can do some things, but not that. Jesus has the keys of hell and death. And Anton was dead, right? And so they're gathered around, you know, like the prophets of Baal, flailing and doing all kinds of things. And, and it wasn't doing any good. But, but they were so focused on the black pope that Deborah Joy, she said, I came to, I recognized that I was at, at Hell Motel in one of the rooms. And I just jumped up and ran out. And when I come run out the door, you're standing there in the road with the car door open. So anyway, it's like, yay, God, that's more like it. So we, we went home, and I told the team, I said, thank you for praying. It, it worked. Anton is dead. They said, are you sure? And Deborah said, I'm sure. I, I watched it. I'm sure. And so we began to worship the Lord, and all of a sudden, uh, Deborah Joy uh, went into a demonic manifestation. Her eyes, some of you have seen this, her eyes turned this direction, and became bulgy and red, and that'll get your attention. Uh, but, uh, but it was a profound demonic manifestation, and we began to rebuke the spirit, and, but the first thing it said is, you murder, you killed the high priest, talking to me. And I, I said, okay, and who are you? I am Leviathan, the power spirit of the church of Satan and you killed the Pope. So anyway, we just began to rebuke the devil, rebuke Leviathan, plead the blood of Jesus, and, and it left. And we're all, we're all sitting around like, this is a night to write home about. And we're just kind of blinking, and all of a sudden, another spirit comes up and, and speaks in a woman's voice, 
and says, I hate you, you killed my father. Well, I, I knew enough about the royal family of the Church of Satan to know that was either Carla LeVay or Zena LeVay. So I just ask, are you Carla or Zena? I'm Zena, I hate you, you killed my father, he's dead. And I said, okay, Zena, um, you might need to pay attention here for a minute. We cut Anton's silver cord because he was astral projecting into Deborah, which you are doing right now. So y'all need to get back in your own body or we'll cut your silver cord. She said, don't do that, I'll leave, and was instantly gone. And then it was just like, make it peaceful. And we worshiped the Lord uh, almost all night. We worshiped the Lord till about six in the morning. I guess that is all night. But, uh, and, and had a wonderful time, and um, it was a little later than that, but you know, probably uh, seven o'clock that morning, we begin to hear news reports that Anton LaVey had died. Of course, they say it was um, uh, uh, his heart stopped, which it does when your spirit isn't there anymore, right? But anyway, uh, so uh, now th that uh, that's the story of uh, what happened to Anton LaVey. It's recorded in a lot more detail in a book called The Serpent and the Savior. You can get that on Amazon or through Kindle. It's The Serpent and the Savior. So there's the story of Ray Ray LaVey. Now, I want to end here with a little comment and just a question to ask yourself. Why did Anton LaVey get away with all the heinous things he got away with? He did heinous things in San Francisco. I just looked at and read some FBI files about him. He was being interviewed in the 70s for crimes. Um, he, and he got away with a lot. So why? Well, I can tell you why because he was tied to our government. And let's talk about the person he was tied to because this guy is sick. And this guy will also tie in to a lot of podcasts I've done before. Um, so let's talk about him and we'll end this podcast. Okay. So you might've heard this name before. Maybe you haven't, maybe you're new to all this stuff, but this, this piece of crap, uh, it was named Michael Aquino and he is a known satanic pedophile. So for those that don't know, this guy was in the U S army from 1968 until 1990. Okay. That's a long time having a badge basically. When he was the involunt when he was involuntary discharged as a result of investigations into his involvement into the sexual ritual abuse of children at the Pristo Daycare Center in San Francisco, and that's spelled P R E S I D I O. And I've never even heard of this that case before. I haven't looked into it. But throughout this same time, he has also been a devout Satanist, a self-confessed neo-Nazi, and he joined, guess whose church, Anton LaVey, guys, in 1969, and he stayed until 1975, when he left to start his own Temple of Set, which has been in operation ever since. So just think about this. You want to start a church of Satan, who is great to have on your side that can basically control you not getting in trouble for being a disgusting piece of crap. Michael Aquino. Yay. He wins. So his name kept coming up in pedophile ring cases. 
And, um, you know, of course, he denies it. But let's talk about this history of this dude. So it starts back in 1967. Michael Aquino began his two-year duty in Vietnam, taking part in the infamous Phoenix Program. The Phoenix Program was an assassination torture terror operation that was initiated by the CIA. Surprise, surprise. With the aim of neutralizing the civilian infrastructure that supported the Viet Cong insurgency in South Vietnam. It was terrifying final solution that blatantly violated the Geneva Conventions. Targets for the assassination included VC tax collectors, supply officers, political uh, people, local military officers, suspected sympathizers, um, but it also led to innocent people being killed. So in 1971, William Kobe, head of the CIA in Vietnam at the time, later testified that the number of people killed, basically illegally, were 20,857. But this reminds me of Hawaii, because they're all, oh, 400 people died. And they're like, no, like 4,000 people died in these fires, these illegal. Have you guys noticed that a lot of people are waking up to direct energy weapons, which is awesome? Uh, That podcast was prior if you want to go listen to it if you're like what is that that's where they want to listen to the smart city one. i kind of just touched upon a lot of stuff anyways okay so this guy he later testified that the number killed was twenty thousand. when really they say it was more like 40 okay so this murderous psyop program had the effect of creating legions of cold-blooded psychopathic killers who would return home to the usa completely different people when they left Many of them would become involved in Satanism during or after their involvement in the Phoenix program, and Michael Aquino was there to lead them into it. Soon after these killers started coming home, they began a steady rise of horrific serial murders with satanic undertones that centered around, guess where guys, Southern California area where Michael Aquino and Anton LaVey lived. So in 1980, um, so... I'm going to stop right here. I was on Instagram the other day and there was this chick on there that thinks she knows everything about everything. She's a new Christian. She's got some good information, but she also is like angry and she was, she just attacks and she attacks her own brothers and sisters in Christ. And she attacked me because she brought up that Kathy O'Brien is a fraud. And I said, I will believe Kathy O'Brien over whoever she whoever said she was a liar. I can't remember who it was, but it was some, Oh, William Cooper. Um, and then she came at me and will you believe in Julie green's prophecies? So you have no discernment. And I've been thinking about discernment and all that. And I want you guys to think about the good news that I share on this podcast. Right. And some people could say it's hopium. Some people could say that, you know, God's not going to do nothing, but if you read the Bible, over and over, God did do something all the time. And he always does. And he always shows up and shows off who he is. So I'm going to be, you know, one of the two that come back when they go to search out the promised land. There's only two people that came back and said, we can take these giants out. And all the rest of those, I believe 10 others were like, oh, they're too big. We're like grasshoppers. Like we have two Uh, choices in this war that we are in the satanic war we're in but god wins like so many people are like satan rules this world no he doesn't god does god created it yeah satan thinks he can rule it but he can't create nothing and he doesn't rule it 
He's trying to rule it through us, and he can't if we take back our authority through Jesus. So anyways, in 1980, this piece of crap, Michael Aquino, um, was in a sworn testimony before the U.S. Senate uh, for Mike Mind Control, MK Ultra Mind Control victim, Kathy O'Brien. She claimed that she was programmed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky in 1980 by Lieutenant Michael Aquino of the U.S. Army. She stated that Aquino used barbaric tra trauma techniques on both her daughter, Kelly, and herself that was involved that involved NASA technology. Kathy O'Brien claimed that she was a presidential model, a monarch slave, meaning that she was programmed to cater to sexual perversions at the highest ranking politicians in the U.S. She stated that during her time as a sex slave, which started as a child, she served a number of well-known politicians, including both Bill and Hillary Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Pierre Trudeau, Brian Maloney, George H.W. Bush, Dick Cheney. Ugh, he's such. She has some stories about all of these people, but Dick is one of the worst. Governors Lamar Alexander, Richard Thornburg, Bill Bennett, Senator Patrick L E A H Y, Senator Robert Byrd. He's also another piece of crap, just like the, all of these guys are who she says was in her, her handler, and Arlen Specter. O'Brien eventually gave testimony before the U.S. Senate regarding the events she was forced to go through, although she named her, her predators, not one of them dared to challenge her act or accuse her of slander. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's lying. I don't think so. Okay, so back to Michael and what he's tied to. So he's tied to Kathy. Uh, she talks a lot about him. He's also tied in 1982 to 12-year-old Johnny Gosh. Yeah, guess why? Because I've talked to you guys so many times about Paul Bonacci, but he revealed as a child he was directly involved in Gosh abduction, having acted as a lure to draw Gosh into the hands of his pedophile abductors. According to Banashi, the abduction was ordered by, guess who, Lieutenant Coyola, Lieutenant, I'm going to just say jerk, Michael Aquino, who later picked up Gosh up at a farmhouse where he was being held and delivered him to a buyer in Colorado. For years, both boys were used for the pedophilic pleasures of high-ranking government officials. This all came out, guys, in the Franklin cover-up. This is not a conspiracy. Conspiracy no more. <laughs> conspiracy no more it is all out there now i mean this has been going on since the satanic church started and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and it's time for us to stand up for these kids so 1985 allegations of ritual abuse at the jubilation daycare at fort bragg erupted when several children reported of being sexually abused by a number of people at the daycare at and several other locations, including at least two churches, Michael Aquino was identified as have being present at one of those churches. In 1986, allegations emerged regarding sexual abuse being uh, perpetrated at the U.S. Army's P-R-E-S-I-D-I-O Child Development Center in San Francisco. This is why I don't like daycares, you guys. I know I'm hard on people with daycare i mean i'm not hard on people you'd put your kid wherever you want to put your kid but you know you need to really think about it because five years goes really quick and you do not know who will step into that child's life and it could be somebody that's with the u.s army you know what i mean and that why is this happening in all these 
army facilities? And why does Kathy O'Brien and all these victims come out with their testimonies in these, you know, army Fort Bragg and all these places? Like, it's just crazy. Within a year, 60 victims were identified. 60 children, you guys, all the ages between at least three and seven. Oh, my God. Victims told of being taken to private homes and being abused. And at least three houses were positively identified and one of them being a queen house. They also described being urinated and defecated upon and being forced to ingest urine and feces. This is just insanity. Can you imagine dropping your kid off at daycare and that's what's happening to them? So it was confirmed with medical um, evidence, including five who contracted five kids who contracted chlamydia and many others who showed clear signs of anal and genital trauma consisted with violent penetration. Oh my gosh. Ugh, it's so hard for me to even read this. You guys, uh, both Michael Aquino and his Satanist wife, Lilith. I didn't know that Lilith is a demon. If you didn't know that were positively identified by victims as two of the perpetrators, at least one victim was able to positively identify Aquino's home and describe it with uncanny accuracy in the distinctive satanic interior of the house. Only one person was ever charged for the abuse of one child. And these charges were dismissed three months later. 1986. <sighs> the next year, in August and November of 1987, there was a search warrant served on his house, on Michael's house with his wife Lilith, and numerous videotapes, photographs, and albums, negatives, cassette tapes, address books were confiscated. Also observing during the search was what appeared to be a soundproof room that may have been used as a torture chamber. In November of the same year, the U.S. Army received allegations of child abuse at 15 of its daycare centers at several elementary schools. There were also at least two other cases at Air Force daycare centers and another one at a center run by the U.S. Navy. In addition to these special team, the experts were sent to Panama to help determine if as many as 10 children at the Department of Defense Elementary School were molested and possibly infected with AIDS. This is insane. I mean, how does he get away with this all these years? It's just insane. And this is exactly why we are where we are, because this stuff went on for far too long. So, I mean, this just goes on and on and on. Um, it looks like an investigation led by U.S. Um, this is 1987. Um, Rudolph Giuliani produced no federal grand jury indictments. His investigation concluded that only one or two two children were abused in spite of the evidence to the contrary. Hmm, that's too bad. And then we got 1988, the Franklin Credit Union in Omaha. This is the Franklin cover-up. Uh, I guess, you know, of course he's involved in that. Um, so we all know what happened with that. And if you don't look into the thing, just go watch that, it, that, uh, documentary. It's, it's the conspiracy of silence is what it's called. And you'll learn a all about this stuff. But in 1989, Aquino was again questioned in connection with child abuse investigations. This time, at least five children in three cities were making accusations. How, how is he not in prison? The children had seen Aquino in the newspaper and television coverage of the Presido. I don't know what that is. P O O that um, the daycare case P R E S I D I O case and immediately recognized him as one of their abusers. The children's were from U K I H Santa Rosa and Fort Bragg. 
1990. This guy is just, how many years are we on now? Uh, we're going on like 20 now. Uh, Michael Aquino was processed out of the army finally after being investigated for satanic ritual abuse in that uh, case, P-R-E-S-I-D-I-O case. Although never formally charged, according to court documents, Aquino was titled in a report investigation by the Army's Criminal Investigation Division, CID, for indecent acts with the child, sodomy, conspiracy, kidnapping, and false swearing. The child abuse charges remained against Aquino because, according to the CID, the evidence of an alibi offered by Aquino was not persuasive. Aquino has since denied that he was ever processed out of the army and even claims that he was selected as one of their first space intelligent officers during the same year and was stationed at Cheyenne Mountain for four years of active duty before retiring. There is no evidence if this is true. So in 1995, things almost catch up with this guy, but it turns around and backfires. So what happens is this gal named Diane Last name N-A-P-O-L-I-S was a child protective service investigator in San Diego. And she was alarmed by the increasing number of children who were reporting satanic ritual abuse starting as far back as the mid-1980s. So she went undercover and online in 1995 and she approached Aquino and several others who were associated with him. Uh, while also posting information and evidence relating to the satanic crimes of these people and their involvement. So in response, Aquino and his associates, and several of them are the ones who created this false memory syndrome foundation. And if you don't know anything about that, in 1992, after being accused of molestation by as a child by their daughter, Peter and Pamela, F-R-E-Y-D, Freyd, established the False Memory Syndrome Foundation, F-M-S-F. So they did this. So basically the kids that were under mind control programs and experts, um, lots of them are many names that you'll, you would probably know. Um, Mar Margaret Singer being one of them was a government expert on cults, Margaret, and cult tactics. And what they did is they made these kids look like they were having false memories when they would report these memories to these children. And they started a whole darn foundation for it. And so it was created by known pedophiles and its board was fortified with CIA mind control experts who cut their teeth on MK ultra victims. Many of them are known to be closely associated with Michael Aquino. The organization of pedophiles and mind control experts have been very instrumental in covering for Aquino. So this woman, she comes out and she starts, you know, basically saying, Hey, this guy is not a good dude. This is what he's doing. Here's all these kids that are telling me this stuff. And so what they do is they go and make her look crazy and they start accusing her of cyber stalking and engaging. They started assassinating her character, both online and through the media. She was targeted with, guess what, direct energy weapons, which in parentheses here, it says V2K and set up to appear mentally unstable. So they also started claiming she was stalking celebrities, probably because they were under this mind control ritual abuse. And this resulted in her spending a year in jail, several months in a mental facility, and eventually being forced to quit her job. Um, I was looking into her a little bit. She deserves a whole podcast, really. 
But um, she actually has a lawsuit that was pending in 2008 against Aquino. She was trying to um, serve him. Um, so fast forward from her story, poor thing. So she tried to help all these kids and saw what happened. And ba- they basically made an example out of her. Don't, don't do this or we'll do this to you guys. Because she was getting a lot of traction back then. So in 1999, in the U.S. District Court in Lincoln, Nebraska, there was finally a hearing with that uh, Paul Bonashi and the Lawrence King case. And this is what Johnny Gosh's mom said. And this is a quote from her in this hearing. Well, then there were many by there was a man by the name of Michael Aquino. He was in the military. He had top Pentagon clearances. He was a pedophile. He was a Satanist. He founded the Temple of Set, and he was a close friend of Anton LaVey. The two of them were very active in ritualistic sexual abuse. They deferred funding from the government program to use in this experiment on children, where they deliberately split off the personalities of the these children into multiples so that they were when they were questioned or put under oath or questioned under a lie detector that unless the operator knows how to question a multiple personality disorder they turn up with no evidence they use these kids to sexually compromise politicians or anyone else they wish to have control of this sounds so far out and so bizarre i had trouble accepting it in the beginning myself until i was presented with the data we have the proof it's a black and white so guys, there you have it. Why did Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan succeed in the U.S.? Because they had the help of the U.S. military with Michael Aquino. And it's all going to stop and it's all going to get exposed. And it starts with podcasts like these. And now we end with the revelation of light. This comes from Luke 8 and this is verse 16. No one lights a lamp and then hides, hides it covering it or putting it where no one sees the light. No, he places a lamp on a lampstand so others benefit from its brightness. Because of this revelation, lamp now shines within you. Nothing will be hidden from you. It will all be revealed. Every secret of the kingdom will be unveiled and out in the open, made known to the revelation of light. So pay careful attention to your hearts as you listen to my teaching. For those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given to them until it overflows. And for those who do not listen with open hearts, what little light they imagine themselves to have will be taken away. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us ears to hear, for giving us a voice to speak with. Thank you for putting us all here on the earth for a purpose and a reason. Thank you for our children and our children's children. We ask for blessings over our families during this time of uh, great awakening and great shakening. And we thank you that you always win. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.